Chapter Ninety One of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefano. Chapter Ninety One concerning certain documents which reached mr mervyn and the witches rebels at the mills i would be ashamed to say how soon after dangerfield had spoken to mr mervyn in the churchyard on the sunday afternoon when he surprised him among the tombstones the large-eyed young gentleman with the long black hair was at his desk and acting upon his suggestion but the hillsborough was to sail next day and mr mervyn's letter containing certain queries and an order for twenty guineas on a london house glided in that packet with a favouring breeze from the bay of dublin on its way to the london firm of ellerington brothers on the morning of the day whose events i have been describing in the last half-dozen chapters mr mervyn received his answer which was to the following effect sir having made search for the paper which you inquire after we have found one answering your description in a general way and pursuant to your request and direction beg leave to forward you a copy thereof together with a copy of a letter concerning it received by the same post from sir philip drayton of drayton hall sometime our client and designed in part to explain his share in the matter your order for twenty guineas on Messrs. Trett and Penrose hath come to hand, and been duly honoured, and we thankfully accept the same, in payment for all trouble had in this matter, etc., etc., etc. The formal document which it enclosed said, This is to certify that Charles Archer, Esquire, aged, as shortly before his death he reported himself, thirty-five years, formerly of london departed this life on the fourth august seventeen forty eight in his lodgings in the city of florence next door to the red lion and over against the great entrance of the church of the holy cross in the which having conformed to the holy roman faith he is buried signed this twelfth day of august seventeen forty eight philip drayton baronet gaetano maloney m d robert smith musician we three having seen the said charles archer during his sickness and after his decease then followed the copy of the baronet's letter to his attorneys which was neither very long nor very businesslike why the plague don't you make the scoundrel jekyll pay his mother's dead only t'other day and he must be full of money i've scarce a marvity in hand now so let him have a writ in his drat him about that certificate i'm almost sorry i signed it i've been thinking tis like enough i may be troubled about it so you may tell him i know no more only what is there avouched no more i do he played at a faro table here and made a very pretty figure but i hear now from lord orland that there are many bad reports of him he was the chief witness against that rogue lord de norne who swallowed poison in newgate and 
they say leaned hard against him although he won much money of him and swore with a bloodthirsty intention but that is neither here nor there i mean ill reports of his rogueries at play and other things which had i sooner known my name had not been in the paper so do not make a noise about it and maybe none will ask for it as for jack jekyll why not take the shortest way with him you're very pitiful fellows but i wish on my conscience you'd take some pity o me and not suffer me to be bubbled etc etc there was only a sentence or two more referring in the same strain to other matters of business of which in the way of litigation he seemed to have no lack and the letter ended i'll go direct to london and see these people and thence to florence gaetano maloney he may be living who knows he will remember the priest who confessed him a present to a religious house may procure in a matter of justice and where none can be prejudiced for the case is very special a dispensation if he be the very charles archer and he may why not have disclosed all on his deathbed first i shall see mr dangerfield then those attorneys and next make search in florence and with the aid of whatever i can glean there and from irons commence in england the intensest scrutiny to which a case was ever yet subjected had it not been so late when he found this letter on his return he would have gone direct with it to the brass castle but that being quite out of the question he read it again and again it is wonderful how often a man will spell over and over the same commonplace syllables if they happen to touch a subject vitally concerning himself and what theories and speculations he will build upon the accidental turn of a phrase or the careless dash of a pen as we see those wild animals walk their cages in a menagerie with the fierce instincts of suppressed action rolling in the vexed eye and vibrating in every sinew even so we behold this hero of the flashing glance and sable locks treading in high excitement the floor of the cedar parlor every five minutes a new hope a new conjecture and another scrutiny of the baronet's letter or of the certificate of archer's death and hour after hour speeding by in the wild chase of successive chimeras while mr justice lowe's servant was spurring into town at a pace which made the hollow road resound and struck red flashes from the stones up the river at the mills mistress mary matchwell was celebrating a sort of orgy dirty davy and she were good friends again such friendships are subject to violent vicissitudes and theirs had been interrupted by a difference of opinion of which the lady had made a note with a brass candlestick over his eye dirty davy's expressive feature still showed the green and yellow tints of convalescence but there are few philosophers who forgive so frankly as the thorough scoundrel when it is in his interest to kiss and be friends the candlestick was not more innocent of all unpleasant feeling upon the subject then at that moment was dirty davy dirty davy had brought with him his chief clerk who was a facetious personage and boozy 
and on the confidential footing of a common rascality with his master who after the fashion of harry v in his nonage condescended in his frolics and his cups to men of low estate and mary matchwell though fierce and deep enough was not averse on occasion to partake of a bowl of punch in sardonic riot with such agreeable company charles nutter's unexpected coming to life no more affected mary matchwell's claim than his supposed death did her spirits widow or wife she was resolved to make good her position and the only thing she seriously dreaded was that an intelligent jury an eminent judge and an adroit hangman might remove him permanently from the sphere of his conjugal duties and forfeit his worldly goods to the crown next morning however a writ or a process of some sort from which great things were expected was to issue from the court in which her rights were being vindicated upon the granting of this mistress matchwell and dirty davy estranged for some time as we have said embraced she forgot the attorney's disrespectful language and he the lady's brass candlestick and over the punch-bowl of oblivion and vainglory they celebrated their common victory under advice m m had acquiesced pending her vigorous legal proceedings in poor little sally nutter's occupying her bedroom in the house for a little while longer the beleaguered lady was comforted in her strait by the worthy priest by honest dr toole and not least by that handsome and stalwart nymph the daring magnolia that blooming amazon was twice on the point of provoking the dismal sorceress who kept her court in the parlor of the mills to single combat but fortune willed it otherwise and each time the duel had been interrupted in its formal inception and had gone no further than the spirited prologue in which the female sex so faithfully preserve the tradition of those thundering dialogues which invariably precede the manual business of the homeric fray this was the eve of a great triumph and a memorable gala next morning sally nutter was to be scalped roasted and eaten up and the night was spent in savage whoopings songs and dances they had got a reprobate blind fiddler into the parlor where their punch-bowl steamed a most agreeable and roistering sinner who sang indescribable songs to the quaver of his violin and entertained the company with saturnalian vivacity jokes jibes and wicked stories larry cleary thou man of sin and music methinks i see thee now thy ugly cunning pitted face twitching and grinning thy small sightless orbs rolling in the devil's merriment and thy shining forehead red with punch in the kitchen things were not more orderly m m s lean maid was making merry with the bailiff and a fat and dreadful trollop with one eye tipsy noisy and pugnacious poor little sally nutter and her maids kept dismal vigil in her bedroom but that her neighbors and her lawyer would in no sort permit it the truth is the frightened little soul would long ago have made herself wings 
and flown anywhere for peace and safety it is remarkable how long one good topic though all that may be said upon it has been said many scores of times will serve the colloquial purposes of the good folk of the kitchen or the nursery there was scarcely half an hour in the day during which the honest maids and their worthy little mistress did not discuss the dreadful mary matchwell they were one and all though in different degrees indescribably afraid of her her necromantic pretensions gave an indistinctness and poignancy to their horror she seemed to know by a diabolical intuition what everybody was about she was so noiseless and stealthy and always at your elbow when you least expected those large dismal eyes of hers they said glared green in the dark like a cat's her voice was sometimes so coarse and deep and her strength so unnatural that they were often on the point of believing her to be a man in disguise she was such a blasphemer too and could drink what would lay a trooper under the table and yet show it in nothing but the superintensity of her satanic propensities she was so malignant and seemed to bear to all god's creatures so general a malevolence that her consistent and superlative wickedness cowed and paralyzed them the enigma grew more horrible every day and night and they felt or fancied a sort of influence stealing over them which benumbed their faculty of resistance and altogether unstrung their nerves the grand compotation going on in the parlor waxed louder and wilder as the night wore on there were unseen guests there elate and inspiring who sat with the revelers phantoms who attend such wassail and keep the ladle of the punch-bowl clinking the tongue of the songster glib and tuneful and the general mirth alive and furious a few honest folk with the gift of a second sight in such matters discover their uncanny presence leprous impurity insane blasphemy and the stony grin of unearthly malice and keep aloof to heighten their fun this jovial company bellowed their abominable ballads in the hall one of them about sally McHugh, whose sweetheart was hanged and who cut her throat with his silver-mounted razor and they hooted their jibes up the stairs and at last mary matchwell provoked by the passive quietude of her victim summoned the three revellers from the kitchen and invaded the upper regions at their head to the unspeakable terror of poor sally nutter and set her demon fiddler a-scraping and made them and dirty davies clark dance a frantic reel on the lobby outside her bedroom locked and bolted inside you may be sure in the midst of this monstrous festivity and uproar there came all on a sudden a reverberating double knock at the hall door so loud and long that every hollow nook and passage of the old house rang again loud and untimely as was the summons it had a character not of riot but of alarm and authority the uproar was swallowed instantly in silence for a second only the light of the solitary candle shone upon the pale scowling features of mary matchwell and she quenched its wick against the wall 
so the wall purges ended in darkness and the company instinctively held their breaths there was a subdued hum of voices outside and a tramping on the crisp gravel and the chomping and snorting of horses too were audible does none of yees see who's in it said the blind fiddler hold your tongue hissed mary matchwell with a curse and visiting the cunning pate of the musician with a smart knock of the candlestick i wished i had your thumb under my grinder said the fiddler through his teeth whoever you are but the rest was lost in another and a louder summons at the hall door and a voice of authority cried sternly why don't you open the door hello there i can't stay here all night open to him madam i recommend you said dirty davy in a hard whisper will i go not a step not a word and mary matchwell gripped his wrist but a window in mrs nutter's room was opened and moggy's voice cried out don't go sir for the love of goodness don't go is it father roach that's in it tis i woman mr low open the door i've a word or two to say end of chapter ninety one recording by john brandon